2: That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void is prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
4: 18+. Welcome back to The Pride Has Spoken. It's June. It's Pride month and all month long we're chatting with LGBTQ survivors. My name is Grace and this morning I'm here with Abby. Abby, how are you doing?
1: Good morning, Grace. I'm doing very well, very well. It's a beautiful Friday summer day here in Boston. So, uh, yeah, excited to get to check in with you about this wonderful series.
4: It's been really raining here in Toronto a lot, mm. which I think is pretty homophobic of, yes. um, of the weather in June to just be raining every day.
1: Yeah. Yes, agreed. Yeah. It's I was supposed to do two outdoor events tomorrow here in Boston and it's going to rain for both of them. And that objectively is homophobic.
4: Annoying. Um, (laughs) well, we're off to a great start. Last week we chatted with Carla and this week, as folks can see from the podcast title or the YouTube description, wherever you're watching this week, I'm very excited. We are chatting with Survivor, uh, yeah. Survivor 42 contestant. Hi, I'm very excited.
1: Uh, I'm so excited. And, uh, I think it's okay to say at this time you have, you, the recording is, set. you've talked to high already. Yeah. We yeah. To her. And, uh, yeah. and, um, you were just saying to me, and I was like, wait, save, save it for the pod. Yeah. This is interesting. You know, that maybe, um, you went in thinking, thinking, you know, when you're talking to these queer survivor contestants, you know, that, um, they might be feeling it, feeling their queerness as like, Oh, I'm nervous about that in regard to being on the show. And you were saying that hasn't been your, your experience, like having actually now talking to, talking to more people.
4: No, I think so. Definitely, Carla, you know, definitely. Because when you're th- when I'm thinking about questions about my I feel like the way I navigate the world, I, t- I talk about this all the time that you have to come out all the time. And mm-hmm. I feel like I am I'm, I'm just as often like it really depends on the space for me about whether I am going to come out, and we get into this. Actually, I love this conversation with Hi. Hi talks about um, not coming out to his uh, the hairdresser he had, had for a long time, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he was out for a long time. Uh, this the, and uh, just all these people we talk about, like when you go to pick up them like a uh, uh, something at the mail, maybe your like ID isn't like ex- you know or whatever. All of this stuff, right? And um, and I feel like I navigate the world with a little bit more trepidation, and so. I had, I, I think I imposed that uh, when I was thinking about when we we're going to interview Carla um, and, and, and Carla was just like, no, nah, I'm really confident. <laughs> said, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And I just completely like shifted my, yeah. uh, I think my thinking in terms of like approaching that interview last week and with chatting with Carla because she had so much confidence. And I, I feel like I was maybe like, yeah, imposing my, like, you know, my, my little shy gayness, uh, queerness uh, sometimes I have in the world uh, onto Carla.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, I I think that's so interesting. And I think, you know, yeah, people move through the world in different ways. And I think I I really, you know, when I was doing the interviews for the last season, I was like very clear that for me also, I was like, just very excited to share my queerness with the world. And that was like a big motivation for me being on the show. But when I was talking to some of the people who had been on the show longer ago, like Amy or things like that, I was like, well, for them, I'm sure it was something that they were super nervous about. And Amy also was like, oh no, I was just like, that's a piece of me, whatever, you know? And I'm not, that's not to say that people who would be nervous about it, uh, there's anything bad about that. I just think maybe, uh, reflective of the type of queer person that would be on a reality TV show. And uh, also, I think, you know, also different types of queerness and, you know, um, things like this. But uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see uh, how much, especially I think these new era people, but even in the past, you know, actually, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess I think this is like the newer people. It's like, I wanted to be on the show because I'm queer feels like a huge part of it. And um, maybe some of the people longer ago is more like, well, yeah, it's like, you know that 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 is a piece of me, and I wanted to be on the show. You know,
4: yeah, yeah. I think I think um, it's certainly. I, I we talk with Hi a lot about. Uh, there's a very funny conversation about Hi trying to figure out the theme of the season because Hi had not seen 41, right. and so um, wondering whether like seeing a lot of queer people and wondering if that was actually part of the, the theme. Um, but I think that's like really interesting in terms of. Um, I think that the difference is potentially um, in ways in which it can both be expressed in like being proud. I mean, that's, that's pride Mm -hmm. month, um, in earlier seasons, um, potentially being the only queer person and then feeling the burden of that Mm -hmm. weight and wanting Mm -hmm. to, to make sure that you represent your community well, which is too much of a burden for somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but Mm -hmm. then also now there's also like, I think that this, this, this way in which it's like, oh, well I can be, I can be me and, and knowing that my queerness will be, you know, might be part of the show. I think we talk about that as well, that, um, you know, that a lot of queer women have not been, that been on the show, but that's not their story. Um, and so I'm very excited for, uh, a preview of who we're interviewing next week. Cause I think that will be a big part of the story. Um, but I think there's a little bit more ways in which like, okay, I'm not the only queer person, but also how exciting that there are a bunch of queer people. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no that that makes so much sense. That thing of yeah, when you're the only, that's like so much pressure, and you can't be, you can't just be you then because you right. are holding that burden, or you you need to like separate yourself from that in some way. And yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'll and I'll say for me, like when people knew that I was like people in my community knew I was going to be on the show, they all thought it was going to be straights versus gays. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now I,
4: I've I've pitched this whole, all gay season, but now yeah, Hyde uh, also suggested maybe it was straights versus gays, and then when the math didn't work, maybe straights versus gays versus bi's.
1: Oh my god, The three Amazing. tribe four. They really
4: love the three tribe format on Survivor. That would also so. be
1: very Survivor to do something that's like like on the face, like very like inclusive, but also like completely not the point to do like a super like binary or trinaryized right. war of the sexualities, right. like.
4: And how mad we be when like the gays go to the first like four tribal councils. You know? Yeah, yeah, they'd be- have to pivot pretty hard. I'm like, I think we're gonna need to do a tribe swap pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one funny. of the interesting things that comes up is I mean, is the word queer, which mm. I I think um, I, I would love to chat with you about because we talk in the interview about. Um, it's not a word that everybody loves, uh, especially, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but older gay men seem to be the most, which mm-hmm. completely makes sense. Cause I joke that like, uh, the f word the word faggot is a word that that was used to like you know uh, as so much of an insult when i was a kid that i'm not ready to like try to reclaim mm-hmm. that word i had mm-hmm. a friend who jokingly would always be like no you have to call me that. <laughs> i'm reclaiming it <laughs> i was like i, I can't i can't have it i can't um but uh but queer is a word that i feel like has been really reclaimed to the point where like mm-hmm. I'm, i use it all the time and feel like really broadly but it is a word that not everybody loves but i love it because of how i feel like it's so, actually, I didn't say this in the pod, but one of the ways I actually like it is that I feel like sometimes I like making other people, unco- like straight mm-hmm. people, i be like, I'm mm-hmm. queer. And they're like, yeah, what does that actually mean? <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't need to own, I don't need to like own anything to you. We talk a little bit about like labels, how important they are when you come out and maybe less so. And that's why I like the term, mm. the term you of a relationship with the term. I think you use the word, the word. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no, I,
1: I. That's. I think it's such an interesting conversation because yeah, for me, queer has always felt like, or quickly in my coming out felt pretty clear that that is the right word for me. Like for me, in addition to everything like cool and rad and like political that I feel like queer has wrapped up in it. It's just like, for me, because it's not a word that is so, uh, it feels like not rigid about what it means in terms of like what type of people you like to have sex with. You know what I mean? Like it's a, um, I think of it as a word that could mean a lot of different, like specific, uh, types of like preferences but it's like kind of like you're not straight and you're rad and you're you know and and this is a good word for you or that's it's a good word for me um however when i was doing and and i didn't really think much about that honestly it feels like a word that is around in my community a lot um but as i was uh as the show was airing and I was like posting more and more, I was seeing, especially as you said, especially from like older, not just gay men, but like, um, older LGBTQ people in general, um, a a really like dislike of the word. And especially a dislike of like feeling that like, it's a shorthand for me to say like the queer community to mean like really all LGBTQIA plus people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really learned, in posting about the show, that that is definitely not a word that feels good for everybody. That I would want to be including when I am typically saying that word, um, and so that has led me to I think in like in like in this series, for example, I I try to use LGBTQIA plus when I'm referring to like broad everybody that I'm trying to refer to because I know right. that there are people for whom it doesn't feel like a word that they like for themselves, but for me and I think a lot of people, you know, in like our general age bracket it feels like a really powerful, awesome word, um, to use for ourselves and like to have reclaimed. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I also, and I feel similar about the word dyke. I don't know how people, uh, I don't mm. know how, how anti some people are out, but I fucking, well, whatever we're here. I I, I, I love. <laughs> yeah. you love I, it. I love it for me. It feels yeah. like I'm like a, like, queer non-binary dyke feels like probably the uh uh some some good words for me personally yeah i mean lots of cities
4: have like dyke marches and like you know it's like yeah it has certainly has been reclaimed yeah i just i'm i i love it and i don't want to stop using it and i also think i don't know how to um for these people who the word was so weaponized i don't know i don't know how to balance those those two things and figure out I, i mean i guess one thing i would say i guess is um I mean, one of the things I, you know, that I, I've heard this a lot. I, actually, there's a, um, there's a great. Uh, I love the Hollywood. I think it's a Hollywood Reporter does these uh, actor roundtables. Mm. Um, and there was um, uh, someone had used the word uh, from uh, from Abbott Elementary used the word Indian when referring to an indigenous person. She said, mm. actually, like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna stop and just let you know. And she's like, thank you so much. We always have to learn. I'm so glad like you taught me. And then she says, but to be more like. And, like, the more specific you can actually be. like If you're talking about mm. all indigenous people, then, yes, you can indigenous people. But if you're actually talking about, like, people who live in this area of the country, you should be really specific. So I mm-hmm. think about that a lot, too, in terms of, like, if, like, you actually are talking about gay men, then you can just talk about gay men. Or, les- mm-hmm. like, this thing affects lesbians or uh, whatever. And yeah, I just don't know, like, I love queer community, but I get that it, it, it impacts yeah. uh, people differently. So yeah, yeah,
1: no, I think, and I think, you know... I think it's all about like, what I think it's especially when when you're referring to, and I think this makes so much, so much sense about what you just said about specificity. And this is also what I said, uh, we talked about this a little bit in my Ponderosa video uh, in a piece with Tiffany. Like whatever word someone uses for themselves is the word they right. want you to use for them. So right. if you're talking to a person and they're like, I'm a lesbian, don't say that person's queer. Say they're a lesbian because right. that's the word that they've used for them. And right. I think that's probably where you get into the most Uncomfortable, like people will be the most uncomfortable if you use the wrong word specifically to refer to them, and so I just like always encourage people to just use the word identify people as they've identified themselves to you and don't make any assumptions of other words that you know um feel good for them, but I do think i not I don't think there's anything wrong with like referring to you know the queer community. I know what you mean. I think most people listening to this know what you mean, but I think you know it's just important to think of think about your audiences and um like I think um. Wait, how that? Oh, I was gonna say um, this. Okay, in the, my first, the first time I met Jeff in the casting process, mm-hmm. he, the first thing he asked me because in my video I say queer a million times, right. and the first thing he asked me was like, actually no, the first thing he asked me was when I cut my hair. And the second thing, because <laughs> my video had a lot of long hair vids, okay, because of COVID, and I had to use yes. like old vids. So we talked about that. And in that, I'm sure I said the word queer again because then he asked me if he's allowed to say the word queer. So, like, oh. Jeff had, had not, was not as experienced with like the reclamation of that word by our community. And probably, like, it occurred to me, I was like, wow, the last time he's maybe like thought about this word was like Rudy saying it. negatively about rich you know actually to be
4: fair to rudy he very much he's like yeah he's a homosexual you know i guess he does say the word queer. i think he says i think it's in there
1: yeah um but yeah i don't know it felt really cool to me that like we're in the same arc where like literally i'm talking to the same person who was the host of the show who you know those that was happening and now he's talking to me you can tell him that like our like people our age and are loving that word now for us and yes you can use it and yes it would actually be the word i would want you to use for me
4: that's awesome and please don't
1: use a different word
4: <laughs> that's awesome yeah um all right the interview with hi is is so great I'm so excited for people to listen to I think very interestingly this is one of the cases where this is High's second ever podcast wow Uh, did a Bitter Jurors podcast on the season 44 finale and then this one there was very little postseason press for Survivor uh, 42 Uh, so this is uh, you know and and I will say we do talk about Survivor certainly Uh, there's a very interesting conversation about one of my favorite scenes of all time uh, between um, High and Romeo and how High actually felt about that scene very excited give a little sneak peek mm. um but this is really one of the first times uh that hi has talked uh about uh his survivor experience on a podcast so i'm um, very excited that people get to listen to it um and it's a great conversation with matt hi and myself i think
1: i'm, Hell yeah. I'm biased but no yeah. <laughs> i can't wait to listen
4: all right well we'll head to the interview now and I and i will be back when it, when it's all done Sorry,
0: sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: All right, everybody. It is Matt Scott here, and it's my distinct honor, privilege, Joy to introduce the audacious, the rambunctious, the astute, the humorous, the political, the beautiful skinned member of the survivor (laughs) community, the one and only, hi, hi, welcome.
6: Hello, hi, Matt, hi, Grace. Where I thought you were going with that, the the three words I used to describe myself in my bio were audacious astute, and aggressive and dog owner <laughs> and dog owner, <laughs> dog owner. <laughs> dog owner. <laughs> dog oh my gosh she, she knew we were starting so
5: she i was asked. gonna say i felt like it was a lot to like throw aggressive onto you too but uh, i mean thank you for being here and you know we love all the things that you are hi we're happy to celebrate you here today and um what who like who's who's barking in the background
6: that's Daisy. That's my little pity. Um, mm-hmm. So they're all reactive. So like, if I say the the word the H word, like the greeting, oh. yeah, like oh. someone's in the house, so they start barking. <gasps> yeah, Oh. Wow. they're pretty. They're pretty reactive, and I'm not looking for solutions. <laughs> no, I'm sorry,
5: you yeah, know. Yeah, that's fair right. Enough. Embrace embrace that energy. We love it. Be loud, be proud. That's what Pride Month is all about. Um, so thank you, Daisy, for that. But yes, thank you for being here. How are you doing? Happy to be here. This is
6: my second podcast ever.
5: Wow. Yeah, that's insane to think about. And actually, something I kind of realized in the process too of just getting ready. Like Grace and I like to check out like other interviews and things. And yeah, it's wild that this has been your second podcast ever. Weird question.
6: How does it feel? Um, it's fun. I love to talk. I <laughs> love to hear the sound of my own voice. So this I think is a natural fit. <laughs> I think 42 is pretty elusive when it comes to um, the podcast realm. So it is fun for me to listen in on like my castmates and to hear their thoughts as well. Now that we are allowed to do podcasts.
4: Except Marianne. Marianne is not. <laughs> Marianne's been on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Love no shade Mary. to Marianne. Yes. I love Marianne. Yeah, I love Marianne. Yeah. This is and you're I, on the bitter jurors pod, right? I believe you're talking yeah. the season forty four finale. So people, if you're listening to that and you'll see that one, you have a hundred percent of highest podcasting. Uh, <laughs> exactly.
5: Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 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 There we go. And yeah, I mean, one question I have for you, Hi. like even just in that context, because I feel like for people who've been on survivor and know if anyone's listening, this will not be a deep dive into your experience on the season going move by move or anything like that. But I guess I wonder like, how did it feel to not, uh, or how does it feel to like, how did it feel to not share your experience up until this point? I ask that because it, Almost seems like when people are like voted out or when the season's over, they're just like so thankful to be able to talk about it without the filters of like spoilers and everything else. But um I don't know, have you had a yearning to share your story or um yeah, just been like past it? I think
6: originally I was like a little upset, right? I think as a fan of the show, like you expect as part of your experience post-show to be able to uh provide deep dives and to talk freely about your experience and I think as a result of my cast not being able to talk um per NDA for a year it made it a little difficult to explain your game and to Mm -hmm. explain the strategy but I think like over the past year I've learned to kind of love the fact that I wasn't able to I guess justify my moves and um, make excuses or whatever way you want to kind of explain yourself. Right. And I, I think the beauty in this experience and not being able to talk about it is like, it is what it is like, that is what is aired. That is the story that was seen by millions of people. And I think for like most people, People who watch the show like that's sort of where it ends, and I think for like a very um, small group of Survivor fans, like they want more, and it's unfortunate that they weren't able to hear more or receive more information from my season. But I, I think it's it's sort of almost poetic and beautiful that when the when the show ends, that's that's all there is, and um, as someone who was on the season, like you learn to live with it, and you sort so, sort of learn to embrace what was seen. And, um, I think that is sort of like my view on life overall is like, you know, no opportunity is guaranteed. Nothing is promised. And like, you have to make the best with what you're given. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
5: it's powerful. And I mean, I I think that leads into one question that we like to start out with because a lot of viewers of the show, a lot of listeners or viewers of the podcast may have their own idea of who you are. But of course, that's only part of your story, a very limited part of your story. So we'd love to know in your words, sorry for giving you an existential crisis with this one. But like, who are you?
6: Well, I am a 30 year old Vietnamese refugee. I uh, immigrated to the U.S. when I was three. Um, I am a proud queer man. Um, I think if you would have asked me. A year, two years ago, I probably wouldn't have used the word queer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been on a journey with my identity. Um, I think that was re- like the, being on the show was a huge catalyst for me in a lot of different areas of my identity and like trying to understand more of like who I am, what I represent, what I believe in. Um, I am a huge animal lover. I have four pets there are my children. They are all around me right now. Actually, I am uh, happily engaged to my partner of six and a half years. Um, we live in New Orleans together and we've built this incredible life together. And I did not know or think that that was something that I was capable of having, um, especially as a young queer man. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a uh, analytics professional by trade, but I don't identify myself by my occupation <laughs> um, that that was just like a quick little I had to throw that in I guess. yes. yes. Um, yeah, no I I am a normal person who was given the opportunity to play a game that he loved and um, present myself in it's my rawest form to America and uh, left the show with like a renewed vision and uh, version of myself and my story
4: we fell in love with you immediately when you started with the blood on uh, episode just, one we knew that you were going to just going to play hard and it was so <laughs> fun um i want to th- i want to dive into we talk about like the the term queer but i i, I do think uh like matt i'm going to get hung up on the on the pets you have four pets what 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 are <laughs> all their names and and what are they
6: yeah i have three dogs Um uh, yes. my first my first born that we got from the shelter her name is lucy she's a jack russell she's six and then my Beagle, Basil, he's 3. Um he's a pandemic puppy that I rehomed oh, um at the very start of the pandemic. At, like literally I got home from finals casting um and then the pandemic hit like 2 weeks later and I knew like we were going to be in for the long haul because I was like th- like this is a global pandemic. Like this is not going to be like a 1 month thing. Um I got a new puppy to my um Ben boyfriend's um, like he was not very happy with me getting a second. <laughs> down, but that is mm-hmm. a different story for a different day. Um, then- I'm sure it's
4: great because then you have now you I, you do have three dogs. So we'll see how this one goes. Yeah, yeah. And then
6: yeah. I I found a kitten at the park um, after the Fourth of July. So scooped him right up. And then my uh, my fourth my latest is my pit bull Daisy, who we found after a Hurricane. um, in a nearby neighborhood, and she was probably a week away from death. So oh. pulled her into my home, thinking that we were going to foster her for a little bit and find her her own forever home. But because of her breed, um, I think a lot of people were hesitant to give her a chance. And, you know, after four months, I was just like, no, nope, you're mine. You're going to be mine forever. So that is my little family.
4: That's so cute. Um,
5: I have right, to ask. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. dive in before we even get more into things. Like, because, I, you know, it's it's so remarkable, actually, that, like, you and I guess a lot of your castmates, and maybe there are, like, a ton of Survivor players out there, the more I think about it, who, like, haven't been able to just speak about their lives. But, like, I love New Orleans. New Orleans is an amazing city. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, I'm just so curious about, like, how you grew up in new Orleans or where um and I don't know, just want to give you the chance to talk about like such a vibrant place yeah I'm I'm actually
6: from Atlanta I followed mm-hmm. my yeah. partner here five years ago because he was in med school and then he matched here for residency and that's um where we are settled um and I think for a long time and I, I actually love this question like I think for a long time I like resisted this city like I mm. was and I, I felt it was because I sacrificed a lot of my young adult life to move here to be with my partner yeah. and to support him. And it wasn't anyone's um it wasn't anyone's decision but my own. But at that stage in my life, like mentally, I was blaming my life decisions on the circumstance and like my partner's career choice. And um, I wasn't doing myself any favors by living in this beautiful city and fighting him at every step of the way right and Mm -hmm. fighting the city at every step of the way and refusing to allow myself to like enjoy it and then the pandemic happened and it was just like this stark contrast of like the city that i like lived in and like was fighting but also like recognized as something that was quite lovely and vibrant and fun and when that was gone you you know it's that Mm -hmm. old saying like you know be grateful for what you have before it's gone And that's literally how I felt when Mardi Gras was gone and all the tourists were gone and all of the vibrancy was taken away. And then as soon as um, life started um, becoming a lot more familiar and people started coming back into the city and the festivals started happening again, I leaned all the way in. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until like the last year, year and a half that I really recognized the city for what it is, which is this incredible energy of a place that really, um, makes everyone feel so loved and seen. And I have found so much community here over the last Mm -hmm. year and a half. And I'm actually at the point in my life where I'm like, I actually don't want to leave new Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I went from like fighting my partner being here to this is my home and it's going to take a lot for me to leave. So yeah, I, I think new Orleans is incredible.
4: You're I also think New Orleans is incredible. One of my favorite yeah. places I've been. Yeah,
6: it's yeah, like it does, it's a city in America yeah. too. Yeah. I think a lot of people are shocked when they come here, and they're like, "Where are the gay bars?" I'm like, "Baby, step into any bar."
4: Yeah, so, I think it's because it's like uh, you know, I, I we I did a I went to Voodoo Fest in uh, in New Orleans for Halloween, and I think like driving to the south, I was like, pretty, you know, I'm like nervous. It's like I, I was not mm. out as trans at the time, but being like out as like queer, I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's like going to be safe. And you just get to New Orleans, and it was just the party, and it was fun. So yeah
5: hi you mentioned uh, the well so you walk into a bar you get the gay gay scene essentially but like what is because this is pride month like yeah. so you have to ask like what is the gay scene in new orleans any places you want to shout out any places you'd recommend in particular like let's get into it for the yeah. i feel like this is the demographic
6: that's uh, yeah. listening and could use your travel tips basically I, I actually, like, I want to be, like, really specific with my my word choice. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think New Orleans is necessarily gay, yeah, but right. I think it's incredibly queer. And I, I think there's a big dis- distinction, right? Like, growing up in Atlanta, like, Atlanta is a gay city. And what I mean by that is, like, you go into a gay bar and it's pr- predominantly a, a space for gay men yeah. right. who are seeking sex or proximity to other gay men for whatever purpose. And I think in New Orleans, it most of the spaces that I frequent are queer. It's inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily people who are just looking for sex. It's a space where you could talk to anyone and feel safe. Um, and that's what I mean by by queer, right? Like it's it's filled with people of varying gender like expressions and ideologies and sexual orientations, but beyond that it's uh, it's counterculture it's people who kind of reject a lot of what like we've been told to expect or to assimilate to especially in the south where like beyond race and sexuality we also have problems related to class mm. and um and wealth right so i think like new orleans is one of like the most interesting cities where all of these issues kind of blend together to create a culture. That sort of rejects a lot of it and people embrace each other and allow each other to thrive in a way that I've never seen before in other cities, especially in the mm-hmm. South.
4: Yeah, I mean, I love that. I mean, so you talked early on about, you know, it took you a little while to feel comfortable sort of self-identifying as queer. I, it's the same thing with me. I think that what I love about the word queer now is sort of how all-encompassing it is, mm-hmm. how I think for so many people who are queer... Or you know fall into the lgbtqia community labels are so important to you at the beginning when you're trying to figure out who you are and try to, to match that label with how you're feeling inside and i don't know for me i found that like the longer i was out the less a specific label mattered to me and that's why yeah. i love the term uh queer and that it can be sort of like all encompassing uh in a way i don't know if that's like the same experience um as you i'm interested in, in hearing sort of your journey uh to sort of finding the term queer. So, because it's a, it's a word that I think also some of us, it, it's not a slur from my eight, like from, from when I was a child, I, you know uh, the term faggot was the one that was like used for <laughs> yes. me uh, as a kid, not the term queer. And so yeah. I have a much harder, I've talked to my friend with him. I have a much harder term, like trying to reclaim that, like that word. Uh, yeah. Whereas the queer, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I know, but I know that's not the case for everybody. So yeah, I'm just right. wondering about your journey. Uh, in yeah, no, that Yeah, no, I, I think
6: I agree with sort of that sentiment of like, your identity evolves as you continue to grow and mature and you have to have language that evolves with it in order to be able to kind of uh, explain your story. And I think queer for a lot of like gay people especially older gay people who reject the term comes mm-hmm. from a lot of trauma where it was used pretty derogatorily derogatorily really when they were younger yeah. um and being gay was not as socially acceptable so like i definitely understand like the hesitation and the frustration with older gay men who like reject that word but i'm also of the mindset that like language evolves right mm-hmm. like 20 years ago we didn't have like neurodivergent like that that wasn't Mm -hmm. a concept that was familiar to us like um mental illness was probably used exclusively as a derogatory term to describe people who were quote unquote crazy right Mm -hmm. so like we are entering um as a society, this era where we have very specific words to describe very specific experiences. And if you identify with those experiences, amazing, use that language. And if you don't, that's okay too. But I think like as a community, um, that word has been a little divisive. And I think it's because we aren't able to give each other enough grace to understand like why certain people have like, hesitation, um, for it, and I, instead of, like, yelling, you know, at David Sedaris to sit his, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) down and, like, learn, like, like, as, and I've tweeted about David Sedaris specifically, and, you know, I maybe might have been a little quick to judge him, and then, um, I gave myself a second to put myself in his shoes to understand, like, as an older gay man, like, that word probably triggers a lot of trauma for him. So it's really hard to write off other people's experiences that you don't necessarily agree with. So I think we all need to just be a little more understanding.
4: Yeah. And I don't know what, I don't know what the solution is in terms of like, I, I do use the word like queer community a lot and I don't know if that's something I should be more conscious of, um, or, or not because I just, I, I do love the way it is. It is all encompassing. It feels inclusive in a way, but I, I know that that's not the experience for, for some, for some folks. So.
5: Yeah, it's interesting too just like thinking about that and your relationship with queerness and we talked about how little it has is out there especially like about your survivor experience but one of the things that um that we I did before this interview hi taking your drink of water making sure like i don't know where you're gonna go matt like is that you you, i watched your audition video or videos on youtube which was interesting videos there's more than one i don't know i have no clue it was like four (laughs) minutes long or something like that but i think the the thing about it that i thought was interesting is like you were um talking about something that grace mentions often or references often which is this idea of coming out or like being outed, unfortunately. And we were, we, I'll give credit all of the credit in the world to grace um, as we podcast about um, all of the queer things is um, just this idea of like constantly coming out. Like I even came out to to somebody today at a restaurant walking in, um, you know, in there um, and it just like came up. Um, And so I, I think that like we're so interested in like giving you the space to speak about like, what your what what has your relationship been with like actually identifying and embracing that um you know uh I don't want to say just the queer identity but like your identity overall uh in this community
6: yeah I think I used to be really hesitant to continuously come out to the people around me and I think that Um, stems from like protecting my space and also like just like conserving my energy and not having to like constantly explain myself because Mm -hmm. I agree as queer people it is something that is the onus is always on us to explain ourselves right Mm -hmm. and like for a long time I was even though I was out, there were people in my life that did not know my sexual orientation. And it's right. right. like very specifically in this instance that I'm thinking of, like my hairstylist um, that I had had since I was like 15 back in Atlanta, who was this like older Vietnamese woman um, that I went to ever since I was like a sophomore in high school. And like I would continuously go to her even as an adult, like post-college before I moved to New Orleans. And for the longest time you know sitting in her chair she would ask me questions about my life including like you know like are you dating anyone like do you have a girlfriend and for the longest time since because I've been going to her for eight years I'm just like I didn't know how to quite come yeah. out to her yeah and I like didn't want to come out to her right. and, and it's so interesting because like when I moved to New Orleans I was like the one thing that I was like really looking forward to was getting a new hairstylist because I was like oh my gosh like I get to like be myself and then guess what happened? I find a new hairstylist (laughs) oh, Oh, a Vietnamese woman. And like one of the first things that she asked me was like, are you like dating anyone? Do you have a girlfriend? Mm. And you You know what I said? No, I don't have a girlfriend. That's
4: it. <laughs> factual, factual information. Hi. Something <laughs> about
6: hairstylists, by
4: the way. I have to say, I
5: relate so much to this. Like in black, like as a black person. Mm. Anyone listening to this, I'm, I'm black. Like going going to black barbershops too, and like having a barber. And they uh, for some reason they always want to know your relationship status, and it's like, no, I don't.
6: I yeah, have a girlfriend. And it's not <laughs> that I thought my new hairstylist would care, but no. I like very much fell back into the same feeling of. Uh, being burdened or feeling small, or like not wanting to explain myself to someone that maybe comes from like culturally like yes, we're both Vietnamese, but a different time, mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily want to have that conversation, and it was something that I really regretted, and then my current stylist now is a is a lot younger um and like literally the first thing i told her was like
2: i have a boyfriend <laughs> <So>
6: <laughs> i just wanted to get that up out, out of the way
4: we don't talk about coming out to our hairstylists enough really uh, in no. The queer community. no i was like i was you know i went to buy my it was my mom's birthday recently and i went to go buy her earrings and it's just like i don't sometimes i dress more family sometimes i'm just like the way i'm at and this was like oh like hope it's not today like boys are always buying their like jewelry at the last but i was buying my mom earrings it's just like oh like do I like that That feeling of like we're in this like m- moment where I can choose to come out or I'm not going to come out, right? And like, yeah. is it important for me in this moment? Like, are you maybe they won't buy, maybe they won't sell me the earrings and I found the perfect pair of earrings, like, like, I know that that would like be, a because I often say this, that like, yes, that would be like discriminatory and illegal, but the onus would be on me to be yeah. like, to go to the paper, to go yeah. like to, to file a complaint, right. you know? And it's just like, that's not worth it. I just want to get the friggin' earrings and like, get out of here now, you know? So I think that like, it's really interesting talking, like there's obviously the like coming out to your family piece and like friends and whatever, but all these like interactions you have with people who are like, you do know them, but you don't. No, you know, you know what I mean, like a, like a hairdresser. Yes. I think it's a really fascinating um, example you gave of like, yeah, when we yeah. have to come out or it's, not. And it's it's
6: funny because like when we talk about I- identity and like coming out, right? Like there are so many examples in my life from like non-queer people who like they're like constantly also have experiences where like they have to decide whether or not they want to come out in a specific situation. Right. And like something that's pretty common in the South um, is like political ideology, especially for for white people in the South. So I have a lot of like progressive white friends, right? And one of the more common things that I hear from them is like, they actually run into a lot of situations where like they meet other people um, and they're unsure of their political affiliation. Right. Like There's always like this awkward phase um, where like they're getting to know each other and they like they think yeah. the person they're getting to know and like is like like progressive. So like, there's this moment of like like you're progressive, right? Like, so like to me, like life is so fascinating because yeah. because we're so good at categorizing ourselves based on whatever. We're constantly in varying stages of coming out and letting people know who we are. And it I don't think that's just restricted to sexual orientation. Um, but it's it relates to a lot of things that pertain yeah. to identity. Like, I would, yeah. You know,
4: I wish I could find this TikTok. There's a great TikTok series of a guy who kind of does a spoof on this where he'll, he, he's pretending he's having a conversation with his friends so and he's trying to get to know them. And it'll be like, uh, you know, that's very transgressive. And then he like looks to see uh, yes. like, their rea- like their reaction to the word trans or like, like, like yeah, like, yes. Yeah, so I, feel, I feel like we're all, we're all close together. So it's like a union is like looking to see uh, what they're, rea- you know, it's very funny. I, I don't know the name bad. of the TikTok, but mm-hmm. it's very funny. So I'll just claim that joke as my own.
5: Yeah, it's yours. Yeah.
4: Thanks. <laughs>
5: yeah no i think it's like it's interesting talking about this and i and you know something that i know that you've you've talked about a little bit before high is even just like that process of coming out but the the aspect of that story that i think is really interesting again in the context of a world where even with your hairstylist there is like an, a need or an, or an opportunity to come out sometimes is just the story um that you've shared before which i uh you know i don't think that all of the list our listeners are necessarily aware of but like coming out to your mom um in you know under those uh circumstances and um i don't know i'm just kind of curious i maybe this is a, like a wild question but is there like a like do you have like a power ranking of coming out moments <laughs> um like do you have like <laughs> Any moments that stand out to you, especially in terms of coming. I don't know if it's that experience with your mom or otherwise, but um, that one jumps out to me, especially for this conversation, because so often when we talk about coming out, it's like this negative thing where. You know, like horrible things could happen, or people could be ostracized, and like that is a trigger, and one of the reasons that we don't always come out in these different situations. But um, maybe it's not a power ring. But I think, like, I'm <laughs> yeah. curious from you, like,
6: if there's any um, stories like that that do jump out. Yeah, absolutely. I I think like beyond coming out to my mother, um, which was like not a great experience. Like in yeah. in, in it, like the 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 sh- the crux of it was like. She was really upset when she realized that I was gay, um not because I was actually gay but because for so many years I had spent denying to her even though mm-hmm. she would just straight up ask me about my sexual orientation and you know and it's something that queer people um understand as we all have a journey and it isn't until you're fully comfortable with your identity that you're willing to talk about it. And I just, at that point was not willing to talk about it with her. Um, Mm -hmm. But that probably isn't, is it like for me, the, (laughs) the hardest coming out experience was to my very best friend growing up. Um, My best friend growing up was this, uh, is this beautiful, um, woman um that i grew up with since like elementary school and we were so so close like i would spend every day after school with her um her family probably like recognized that i was queer long before i did because they would allow me to hang out much too late at her house (laughs) right Um, and it's interesting because like we like our relationship was very queer coded and like looking back at it but like she had no like idea. Right. And there was Uh, one moment where I had realized that I was gay and I desperately wanted to tell her. mm -hmm. And this is so cliche, but we were like driving down the road together and there was this big ass rainbow on the road and we're both looking at it. And I was like, Oh man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell her right now. I'm going to tell her. Oh my God. And she's just like, isn't that rainbow beautiful? And I was like,
4: Yep. All right. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah. I was hoping. I, I think I knew where that story was going, and I still wanted you to tell. No, and it, your best friend in the car when you saw the and, rainbow. And it, oh. and it. I did not tell her
6: <laughs> then, but I did tell her a few months uh-huh. later at Pride, yeah. and it was so funny because mm-hmm. like, her reaction was, "Oh, oh, okay, that yeah, that makes sense." Like, oh, like. Remember when I got you that striped shirt and I joked that <laughs> gay men love striped shirt. Why didn't you tell me that? And I was like, that's that's what you're thinking of.
4: It's so funny. Yeah. I. So my mom also asked me if I was gay. And so I insane. said yes. And that's how I came yeah. out to my mom. I was having an, a completely different crisis. And she's like, is this also? And I was like, actually, no, but... Sure. Now's the time. Let's do it because I have this other, you know, crisis going on in my life. And one of my best, the first person I ever told I was, was, was one of, uh, maybe not, but, but my, my best friend who I had like come out to in high school. I, and I did this where I would like, I'm getting, and then I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But she still, she did cry when I came out, which I think is she like was maybe in love with me. But that's you know uh-huh. that's, you know that's how it goes. You know that's a whole
5: uh, other podcast. I feel yeah. like too that yeah. we have to we have to get into that too, Grace. But yeah, no, sure. I, it's like interesting too, Hi, because like I totally identify with your experience. Like literally growing up, where my mom was like, are, like, are you gay? Like just different experiences. And I think for me, especially, like as in as a like, and I just. I love the word queer because I'm like, that's like the simplest way to explain things. Or, you know, and we've talked about this before because like being bisexual or being someone who's like also attracted to women, too. It's like complicated where you're like, uh, I don't even fully know. And you're asking me this question in a way that feels really uncomfortable and unsafe. And so it's like I identify so much with what you're saying, though, of the like there's the level to it of like almost the fact that we, for whatever reason, whether it's like protecting ourselves or not fully knowing like this idea of like deceiving people unintentionally though because it's all about like us and us protecting ourselves which is fully justified and you know it also i feel like a lot of my questions that come to mind are actually things that grace has like planted in my head because um i'm thinking about you know survivor um and grace i feel like i want to hand it to you to ask your favorite you question
4: the question that i thought you would hate which is <laughs> yeah, i think it's an interesting it thing you. that queer people experience where you live a portion of your life where yeah. you know you're gay or you know you're trans or whatever but you're not ready to come out because society sucks and it's in like telling your best friend like she's like why didn't you tell me then and your mom being like why didn't you tell me it's like it's not you specifically it's cuz right. society sucks so much that there's a chance that when i tell you you will cave into societal pressure and abandon mm-hmm. me, right? Like you will like end our friendship. That's the, yeah. that's the actual yeah. fear. But I talk about this time where you, you have accepted it within yourself, but yeah. there's still a time where you're not ready to tell anybody else. And I use it because it's a time where we, we actively lie to people. Someone yeah. will say, are you gay? And you say no, or like you're worried, you know, and I actually think that like, maybe that's good survivor. training. <laughs> like Seems silly, but it's like you, you know, you're in this is like, I don't want to be in alliance with you. I don't want to vote with you. But like, I'm going to say yes, because I need to, you know, I need to think that you, you need to think that I'm being genuine with you in this moment. Yeah. I don't know. Does that resonate at all with you? I don't, I don't know. If it does. I, <laughs> and and I we're never want yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, 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 to give sneaky liars. It's not what I I'm saying. Yeah, exactly.
6: I, I get what I get the question. Like it, mm-hmm. like, There is something about like the queer experience where you are put into situations where you either feel uncomfortable or unsafe and like you're going to say what you need to, in order to like get out of that situation. And like, I think a lot of people see that as like deceptive, right? Like lying is like inherently deceptive, but I think like, like like it's nuanced and like there's context that is important. And because of people's safety, like I think a lot of queer people will often choose to lie to protect themselves. And I think with that, Ability, um, like there is a certain level of creativity when we are lying, um, that allows us to survive, right? So I think like when you watch the show as a queer person, and I think that's why like survivor is very queer coded and like queer following, because we as (laughs) like our community likes to celebrate people who are like very good at thinking on their feet and Are good at getting themselves out of situations or like um quote unquote manipulating other people not because we are like celebrating like the act of someone behaving badly but we're we're celebrating creativity and and Mm -hmm. like ingenuity and i like for me as like a young queer person watching the show i never like thought lying was bad and probably that was related to the fact that i was lying about like a lot of aspects of my life at that point mm-hmm. and i didn't necessarily view people being deceptive as inherently bad and like this is so fascinating because I, I i talk about this all the time with people from the community which is like there's such a difference between how casuals view the survivor like uh yeah. viewing experience versus diehard fans and i like yes. i'll give you an example like I think Omer on my season, incredible strategist, like masterful, like lied out the wazoo because like that was a strategy and it was incredible. And he got what he wanted. But like a lot of like my casual friends would still like ask me to this day and be like, are you friends with Omer? I'm like, yes, absolutely. And they're like, why? Like he's such like a villain. He's such like an asshole. And I'm just like, that's so interesting because like as part of like the community, like I pretty much like hold Omer to like this very like, High regard because of his ability to execute as a strategist, but to casuals, they haven't been able to kind of put their like morals and their expectations at the door for what they deem is good versus bad, and they're not like they're not able to like enjoy the show the same way as like like I, I like diehard fans of the show who have come to expect and respect people who are good at like deception and lying and um. And I think like that aspect of survivor will like never change. And I think that's why it's such like a fascinating experience is because you never know who people are going to be drawn to because whoever they're drawn to is really a reflection of like their morals and their identities, which is why, you know, I think everyone is polarizing to some respect because there is no one who is just universally respected for uh, maybe like a Ceree for their choices. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: it's yeah. been there since the beginning Richard yeah, Hatch versus exactly. Kelly is like the you know the the first you know well the first winner of the show is a is a gay man yeah and you have the this like you know the like challenge beast you know like the more like you know the, it would be entirely it feels like it might be an entirely different game if Kelly if Kelly wins but like you oh, know yeah. then gets voted into the game uh back to come for second chances like 30 you know 20 years later it's really fascinating it's been there since the beginning
6: yeah it's the design it's the literal design of the That's game like true new- yeah for, like, you you are encouraged to be bad as a player because the badder you are, the more fans you have, the more production loves you, the better you do. So we all hop onto that island fully expecting to be, like, the worst versions of ourselves. And it's the only environment where you're encouraged to do that. And I think it's so crazy. And um, it's so addicting because, like, you can't mm. do that in everyday life. And, like, nor should you. But Survivor really is one of those rare experiences where you are encouraged to behave badly.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like it's it's interesting to even just to go back to what you mentioned about the perceptions that people have, because, I mean, you I mean, you in particular, just with when your season was I mean, we went from season 39 and 40 where the diversity initiative of course hadn't been in place and then going into survivor 41 we're seeing this like incredibly vibrant you know diverse casts, uh, increasingly I, in different in different ways integrating different forms of diversity grace yeah. and i have talked about like a third of this um most recent cast survivor 44 being queer um which is really phenomenal and i think um i like one i can't wait to like next year get into conversation with some of them and just dive there because there is so much even about people's stories that didn't represent that. But I'm so curious, like from the perspective of like intersectionality, thinking of your experience as like an Asian man, as a queer person um, or a member of this community, like what did you imagine your experience on survivor would be like? And did you think that those things would be, um, yeah, I'm just curious what you expected, especially in terms of your identity, yeah. identities um, going into
6: Survivor. Yeah, to be honest, I fully expect it to be tokenized. Yeah. Right? Because like I had not seen 41. I was not aware that we were in this new era where like, yeah, like obviously I saw the casting was different and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, amazing. But then like, once we were finally able to talk to one another i was like oh you're queer too oh you're queer too oh you're queer too I was like, like ponderosa i like i was like trying to like figure out like the theme of our cast and i was just like oh man it's like gays versus
4: <laughs> imagine we <laughs> we have been pitching all gay season of survivor uh pros if you're listening but gays versus <laughs> straights might be I don't
6: know. No, <laughs> the, math, like, the math was like not working out. I was like, oh man, maybe there's some bisexuals <laughs> too. Three uh, trials. Um, yeah, go. because <laughs> I was, there's me. I'm like, there's Romeo. And like, in full transparency, like I had clocked Romeo like before we were all even on the island. Like, we were in the same casting group. And like, I found him on Instagram and I was like, oh, hey, Queen. I was like, I was like, fabulous. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh, uh, number two. And then Jackson was wearing like a Golden Girls shirt. I was like, number three. Mike came out in like, I swear, like the shortest booty shorts I've ever seen in my life for breakfast. And I was like, him too? Really? Oh my (laughs) gosh. um, I fully expected to be tokenized. And when I wasn't, there was definitely um, a shift in my ability to like move through spaces and the experience like a lot more liberated. And like I say liberated because like I think when you are tokenized, like there is a burden to um I, I don't want to pl- like say play into like the right. character or the archetype. Right. But like there there's there's an expectation of like oh man like everything I'm gonna say like might just be reduced down to like my sexuality. Like and I do not want that. And um, and I, I'm not saying like that would have happened, but I think I felt a lot better when I was like, oh, my God, there's two of us. Like, let's like let's Kiki and like, um, let's be friends. Right. And even with like Lydia, like she was telling me very early on that she identified as queer. And I was like, wait, really? I was just like, what? Like, what is this like new kind of like like casting? Because I had never seen anything like it before. And it really made me feel very good
4: does that make half your cast? Cause, uh, bet- or your, your tribe, right. Between Lydia, yes, Chanel, and you. And Chanel, but I had,
6: I had no idea. Like Chanel yeah. was not forthcoming with a lot of stuff, including her Which identity, including <laughs> her occupation. Right. Um, but yeah, like half of my tribe was queer and, wow. and I yeah. love that. And, um, yeah. it, that mindset, I hope it continues with like later seasons where people feel empowered, to lean into their identities without fear that they'll be reduced to these like one-dimensional characters. One thing I will say though mm. is that, um, because of like the ultimatum, queer love. Are y- are y'all y'all watching it? Oh, yeah. And and heavy, and heavy. Or, is, is
4: podcasting about it here on okay. podcast? Yeah.
6: So, like, what I take from that series is like oh my gosh, like, we're finally talking about, like, queer femmes, right? Like, mm. queer femme-identifying people. Like, like why has it taken this long to, like, have their story told? Because, like, 42, we had multiple queer women. 44, yeah. multiple queer women. But we're not telling their stories. Right. That's a
4: really good point. I will yeah, I think it is a big missing piece. I think, you know, we talked to Zeke last year about – you know, trans women there's been no trans women on the show, particularly trans women of color. Um yeah. uh, would be amazing. Also, you want, you know, in yeah. that way of um wanting to make sure that it's also a, you know a safe experience. Like going on Survivor is hard enough as it is. So I yeah. want yeah. to make sure it's a safe experience But yeah, there have been queer women on the show and they're and they're that's not part of their story, which is right. actually just a sneak preview that maybe next week's podcast will uh our introduction oh. we'll
6: yeah, that that a little bit.
4: <laughs> yeah. Sneak peek. Yeah.
6: yeah. So I think like we're getting we're we're survivors really doing an incredible job, but I think there are still steps to be taken to like if we really wanted to be representative of like everyone that is playing like there's so many more stories and um, experiences that we can share with the rest of America.
4: Can I ask you, because I love the scene with you and Romeo oh, on the beach yes. talking about your identity It's one of my favorite survivor scenes of all time. I think it's it's something we would feel like you'd never get before, you know, 40 or before. The thing yeah. I love about that scene is you're 30. I'm 31. Recently, somebody on my, this was like maybe even a few years ago, I'd come out and, you know, the photos I post on Facebook are like, you know, like times I've gotten my makeup like done by a professional, you know, and yeah. somebody was like, oh my God, you're like trans goals. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's so, so, but it's so weird being like when you, when you come out and, you know, there's many reasons why we don't have like tons of like trans elders, but, or, or, or queer mm-hmm. elders. Yeah. But when you find yourself in a moment where like, you're still a young person, but someone is looking up to you um yeah. in terms of like who you are in terms of your career journey which is especially like it's like almost like it puts me in shock when somebody's like you've got it all figured out like <laughs>
3: as yeah. if oh you know gosh. that's
4: ridiculous but i just maybe have like you know gone through some things that 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 person has not gone through yet if they're like haven't come yeah. out or have just come out i just i'm so fascinated by like your perspective in terms of that conversation where like you are like the you know the person like romeo's talking about like the fact yeah. that you are out yeah it's
6: um I, I think that scene, I have, like, the most complicated feelings, like, of my entire experience on 42. And, like, like, I've never talked about this publicly, but, like, I actually begged production not to air it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it was something that I was very confused about when it happened. Like, I, I love Romeo today, but, like, we had a very, like, uh like uh, not tense relationship, but it was, like. Right very broken because of like the design of the game, the strategy of the game, like even as two like gay men, like we just could not work together. And for me, like the way that I interpreted the situation was like, are you like using this conversation Mm -hmm. to pander to me? Is this strategy, especially when you like add on the fact that immediately right after, like we had a fractured strategic relationship and like they're like, and this is like what was largely missing from the edit that people didn't see. Like, because it goes from High and Romeo having this moment to now High is targeting Romeo. What happens in between is like right after he comes out to me, we talk about strategy and the information that I divulged to him made its way back to me. So that was when mm-hmm. I him and I was like, what, like what's going on? Because yeah. now not only is my trust broken. I don't know how to interpret you as a person, and everything you're telling me feels as though it's
4: like a little icky. Oh, it's so good to learn that you're not homophobic, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I've
6: been
5: holding on to this. <laughs> That's what we wanted to talk about. Your homophobia. <laughs> this is an intervention, <laughs> calling you out. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, no. And,
6: and, and eye opening. And so I like, I begged production. Wow. Not to air it, and it was one of those things where like. I'm so glad that like no one listened to me in that (laughs) moment because Uh what I like learned was like that scene was so like significant for so many people. And I'm so glad that I was able to like overcome like my bullshit and my ego and like allowed myself to like understand that scene for what it was because Romeo really was being so vulnerable and like sharing parts of himself that I would have been so scared if I were him to share at that point in his life. And for me to like reduce that moment down to like gameplay and strategy and like have the audacity to ask them not to share it. I was like, man, that moment is like beyond me. And I'm so glad that it exists and that it was shared because there is a world where maybe they wouldn't have aired it and we wouldn't have made progress as a community where we're finally like we have two queer men of color sharing their stories in like a very nuanced way. So, I mean, what I learned from that is like, I don't know, like I I, I learned like your expectations might not always um fit with like the reality of the situation and it's okay to take a breath and to give people grace and to put yourself in their shoes.
4: You want to give me a lot to a lot of people. (laughs) Um, um, No, I love, I love, I do really love that. I I think it's, you know, I think it's, Perfectly fair for you to wonder if, in a moment, it's like is is it you know as much as that sucks to think that that's the thing. It also that's like the why survivor is is hard well, and, and, like- and stresses you mentally because like yeah you start to think like are you coming out to me is coming out to me a game move like is that what you're doing and it's okay I think later to be like wow that's really it's not it was not that's not what's happening and to also I love your the phrasing of like it's more than you like this yeah, this yeah. is a moment that uh, Romeo is is is. Effectively choosing to come out, right, like on the sh- like knowing that it can be aired on the show, um, big moment, yeah.
5: But I, I just have to add, like, and, and I think it's really important, like, that you also give yourself grace in the context of that. And I, I'm like thinking, I'll come of, to New Orleans, yeah. Just give, give everyone have a little bit of grace, grace leader, mm-hmm. everybody. Um, I, I just feel like like giving yourself like that. Oh my gosh, I'm not gonna use the word grace again right now. Uh, but like giving yourself that, just that um, understanding, like it is survivor to grace's point and it's a tough environment where like i mean especially when the representation wasn't where it was like you're kind of in this tricky situation of like do i share about my identities in the event that someone might be thinking that i'm using that as a game move and then you ultimately like people have to be voted out and you have to make alliances and turn on people so it's this really tricky thing and you know it it does suck that there is even that thought of like, is this person using their identity for the game? When I think the flip side of that is. were using it for the game. Yeah, exactly. Like use it for the game. (laughs) Like that's, you want to be able to use it for the game. Grace, you're the worst. Uh, Thank you for the puns. Um, And I just feel like it's like, you know, you should be able to share of yourself and have space for that representation, even if it might I guess the part that sucks is like that people might think you're using that to connect with them. Or yeah, I I think of so many like of my identities as a like, actually, I think of like the world as I navigate it because being a young black queer person is not common in many of the spaces I find myself. And I don't want people to think I'm using that, but it's also important to like bring that in because that representation matters for people. And so it is just really a tricky Thing. And I, I just like love your understanding of like, okay, this is like, I could give Romeo that grace, um,
6: grace, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think it's a large. Well, thank you for that. I think mm. a large part of my hesitation um, coming into the game was like I, I fully expected people to use their identities as strategy. Like we've seen it, mm. yeah. And I, like, like I'll mention Daniel in the context of like his illness, right? Growing mm. up like yeah it was something that was brought up and i recognized that it could have potentially been used as strategy so when conversations would go back to his um leukemia growing up and like what this experience meant for him and who he was representing i would find myself avoiding all conversations related to that because what i was Mm. very aware that it could have been used and edited to be seen as strategy Mm -hmm. and that is something that i think happens a lot and like one of the most common things like when people leave the show not just with my cast but like 43 44 like when i'm welcoming people to the community so many of them are just so nervous and they're on like pins and needles because they're like oh my gosh like i'm so scared about like what could be shown And I was like, Mm -hmm. and I I was like, I get it because I've been in the situation where like people shared their stories and their identities with me. And then I voted them off and -hmm. then they leave and they're upset. And they're like, how could you do that? Because I shared X, Y, Z with you. And then to me, I'm just like, this is like the design of the game. Like, I love you. And I truly loved all of them. Like I, this is the design of the game Mm -hmm. and being on the other side, I'm like trying to help people understand that one it's not that deep like there's really nothing that you could have done unless you're like jeff varner to really hurt someone mm-hmm. and if it did hurt someone like the, you have the ability to use your words to communicate and to move past it but i think for a lot of people like we come into the island and we try to not hurt each other on like such like a personal level tied to our identities but it's really hard
4: yeah yeah well uh, yeah, super insightful. I wanted to ask before we I think we'll wrap up soon, I'll leave you with the last question. Before that, I know I saw that you you said welcoming people to the community. I did see that you and uh, and Owen were at yes. Pride. Uh, I'm I like that we're gonna ask people all month long, how are you celebrating Pride?
6: <laughs> well I'm partying, <laughs> yes, I'm a party girl. Um, okay. I, I went to New Orleans Pride, um, yes. and then I'm going. Well, I'll I'll be at Southern Decadence in September, and then I'll be at, in Atlanta for Atlanta Pride in October. Oh and my gosh. gosh!
4: And Owen came. Owen came to New Orleans for Pride.
6: Well, he's oh, he in New there. Orleans.
4: Oh, he is from New Orleans. Yes.
6: Right. Yeah, right. we don't hang out as much as like I would like. Like he's like pretty close, but like we have very like different schedules. But yeah, what like that is Owen is definitely the definition of an ally, and his partner mm-hmm. Sammy is one of like the. Sammy is so sweet. Yeah, truly just like the nicest couple um but beyond that i think i'm just like bopping around All having right. fun. <laughs> All right. i see. think like i think like um pride is something where like it's different for everyone right yeah. I, but i think for me like I, I i spend i spent so much of my life like being uh, like scared of my identity and scared of allowing myself to have fun that um my 30s is definitely the era of just being a crazy bitch
4: (laughs) do you remember your first pride i remember my first pride being i was like oh my god this is amazing like being out my first pride being out was just like the best experience i'd be like there's so many gay people (laughs) it's like the best i used to go in high school in atlanta Uh,
6: my, my high school had a very like big group of uh, people that would uh, like the faculty would sponsor a trip down. to oh, the city. Yeah. It was like, That's super, awesome. Yeah. Super progressive for the time. And um, it was even before I was out. So I would still go and allow myself to like be present. And really that was what spurred my, a lot of my confidence as a young queer person was like that exposure to people who were so authentically themselves and confident. And I would, not emulate them but I would like look towards them as inspiration for like what was possible and like Mm -hmm. that's one of my like the joy that I get out of this experience um is the messages that I will receive from young queer people that are like like how did you do it like like how are you able to just like be yourself and be confident and like you know like there's no secret sauce to it but like I just like love to encourage people to lean into the parts of their identities that they're afraid to explore. And um, I just like want to encourage people to understand, like, there is so much opportunity and um, experiences that you will be worthy and capable of receiving if you are open to it and never be afraid of allowing yourself to have joy. and. And yeah, like my message to like young queer people who like aren't sure of like what to do is like be patient, give yourself time, but also be open to to the possibilities that await you.
5: Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. I'm I'm feeling the the tears well up in my eyes a little bit because like there are people. I think the the very cool thing for me and for Grace as non-survivor players is just like hearing how much these conversations and like your words mean to people. And I like can't encourage people enough to reach out and just share that love with you. Hi. I feel like for survivor players overall. And we can go down the list of of so many queer survivor players who this applies to Like you, I I feel like you all deserve so much more love than you get because like like I live in um, the beautiful city of Washington, DC. um, And it's like such an accepting, like inclusive place. But also there are places where like someone's watching Survivor and you're the only representation that they might have, whether like as like a young person or like an Asian person or a queer person. And so I just want to thank you for all of that. And for those wise words, I guess like maybe like the last question I want to ask is, is there anything else you just want to share with people about you, your journey? It could be like related to queerness or not, but just want to give you the space to like, I don't know, have the last words in this conversation.
6: Oh man, I, that could go anywhere. Uh, I'll take it. (laughs) I, something that I like to talk about is identity. And when identities don't overlap, um, as they typically don't, a lot of people find it really hard to like, Be able to communicate with those that either have views that are contradictory to their own or that directly threaten their own. I want to encourage people to not be so quick to write each other off, especially when you meet someone that doesn't share your viewpoint. I think we are quick to decide that, oh, you don't agree with me because you want to be contrarian or you want to upset me. Consider that their experiences. Is what shaped their world view just as your experiences shaped your world view and instead of writing each other off maybe have a conversation and try to understand that if you had their lived experiences you would be them and i say that because i see the trend in which our country is going towards which is incredibly divisive and combative And that, I think, breeds a lot of violence. And I don't want young people to grow up in an environment where the only options are, I'm either your friend or I'm not your friend. Because there's a lot of middle ground and gray area that you can explore, regardless of what you might or might not agree on. Um, And I hope we can practice more of that moving forward. I love that. Yeah, love it. That's that. That's the that's the episode. I'm gonna
2: stop recording. Thanks, hi. Thank you, hi.
4: all right we are back uh yeah there's a great conversation with with hi very enlightening that was very fun and I thought that like I was really upset Evie because after we finished recording we actually got into another conversation I was like oh my god we turned off the recording and this is so this is so good Hi's talking about uh, the it's very interesting the difference uh in that it's so easy I think for Specifically people of color, but also queer people to be cast as the sort of edited as the Mm, villains, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. which I I, yeah, I wish we did more. We'll have to invite High on next year to chat more about that.
1: Yeah, it's it's so true. It's so true. And I had a wonderful tweet the other day as I feel like, yeah, this idea has been going around of like cast more villains. And I saw High tweeted, yeah, cast more (laughs) villains. If by that something the effect of you mean like hot gay people, people of color. It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. great. Give, us, give yeah. us more highs and Ricard's quote unquote villains, you know. Um
4: I mean, yeah. amen to that. I
1: agree. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: Um all right. Well, yeah, it was a very fun conversation. Uh we'll be back next week with another interview. In the meantime, uh make sure you uh you get your Pride of Spoken t shirts are available on uh the Rob website. Yeah, it'd be uh showing off their yeah. t shirt.
1: Rock the uh, pink today.
4: I think this uh, Rob is a website.com slash shop. I always get this this wrong. Uh, it'll be in the show notes as well. Um, get in any color you want and make sure you tweeted us with a picture of your shirt. I know. Uh, shout out to M- M- Michael J. Clark, who tweeted uh, wearing his Pride is Spoken t-shirt at Pride. That's amazing. Um, and get in any different color. Tweet us. Hashtag the Pride is Spoken. Uh, we'll also be donating the proceeds to a charity. Uh, if you have recommendations for where we should be donating those proceeds, please Tweeted us, let us know where um, we should. If you have any recommendations for uh, a great charity who could use the support, yeah, hell uh, yeah, yeah,
1: and they look cute. Most importantly,
4: they look—they're no. amazing. They're of so course. awesome. The, the logo is amazing. Shout out to Tricky who designed the logo. Um, anything else, uh, Evie? Before you know, how are you spending your pride? We—I I like that. We've asked Carla and Hi how they're spending pride. Oh, How's amazing.
1: Um, Okay. Well, last week was like official last weekend was official pride here in Boston. And I had an amazing weekend. I went to Dyke March as we were talking about the beginning, love Dyke March, uh, really great vibes. Um, And I did a lot of dancing. I went to, uh, uh, yeah, went out Mm -hmm. dancing after that uh, at this great club in Boston called legacy. If you live in Boston, best Mm -hmm. club, racially diverse, gender diverse, my favorite club in Boston uh and then uh yeah, did some dancing with friends all weekend. I feel like I'm really really doing pride right this year. And then I'm uh I'm going to New York Pride uh in the last weekend of June um with the person I'm dating and some fun. other people. It's gonna be really fun.
4: Yeah. It's the same night as it's the same uh, I think Toronto and New York have the same Pride weekend. So nice. I'll be I'll be up north in Toronto. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well one be? of my favorite. One of my favorite uh, there's a, an event coming. I think it's I think it's tonight as we're recording this. Which is um uh there's a Toronto um has a Ripley's Aquarium mm. which is amazing on its own. But then they have Night at the Aquarium.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Night at the
4: Aquarium. That's yeah, I've ever heard? Which is uh drag performances. The whole thing is like lit because it's all like you know underwater. It's like lit amazingly. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's a really good event. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's awesome. Yeah, there's I a lot of good I think it's like Toronto. It's at the end of the month. Just the whole month is like full of. There's a. I think drag queens at the zoo. It's a lot of drag queens showing up to different locations, tourist locations in Toronto to do to do pride. Basically, amazing,
1: amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think like, aquarium. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. I feel like. Well, is Toronto a small city? Is that about to be offensive if I say it's
4: we're <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not small. We're pretty big. Uh, okay. Let me look at the population.
1: It was about to be offensive. Okay. Well, anyway, we're like I three, think, we're like three male basically. Okay. Okay. No, that's, yeah. that's extremely yeah. legit. Well, I th- I feel like, uh you know, cities anyway, I think of like the, you know, the biggest city is like San Francisco, New York. This is probably America centered and I'm about to get canceled by the Canadians. But um, yeah. anyway, I think other cities tend to have really sweet queer scenes like Because it's like, you wouldn't necessarily think of it as like the queerest city, but then it's like all the queer people make all the cool stuff. And so, uh, anyway, love that. Love that. I think,
4: I think Toronto just got, there was something about Toronto being one of the gayest cities in the world. Oh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we have a really great uh, queer scene if, if people uh, uh, have not have not been uh, it's awesome Church Street um, yeah that's the place to go I live just off Queen Street and the joke in Toronto is that Queen Street is this long running like east to west uh, thing but all the churches are on Queen Street and all the queens are on Church Street that's uh, amazing so. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> yeah. amazing
4: yeah love it um, alright well we'll be back uh, next week if you uh, send your love to, to hi a reply to the to the tweet um, or, or send some love uh, appreciate it all the uh, LGBTQ survivors who have come on the Pride have spoken and shared their stories. Get personal with with us; uh, much appreciated. So, yes, yeah, send send your love their way. Um, Evie, what else? What do you got going on? Where can people find you?
1: Okay, you can find me at Evie Jigoda on Instagram and Twitter, and on TikTok. My account is that, but it is still hacked. i oh, are Going to get it back by the end of Pride Month. Let's hope. So, if you are listening to this, you're on TikTok. Please go ahead and report that account. Hopefully I can get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, if you haven't, if you are li- still watching the Queer Ultimatum or ha- watched it and didn't check out uh, my coverage with Asia and Mary over on the Love It First Sight feed, we had so much fun uh, talking about that show. We even had uh, Claire from Survivor 44 join yeah, right. us for an episode um, and we had wonderful guests throughout. So uh, t- check it out. Um, I feel like people are still talking about this show. Perfect show for uh, Pride Month.
4: So uh, hi yeah. uh, name drops, uh, queer ultimate, uh, ultimate queer love. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course in the podcast. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I'll quickly give a shout out to Matt's uh, uh, social media at matt scott gw. Talking, uh, I think a Pod friend series is coming. The Wrestling Wrap Up uh, is, is back. Uh, they're doing their summer series. We had a really a great. I don't think. Would have referenced it last week, but um, I was invited on to the wrestling wrap up along with uh, Victoria Cage and Billy Dixon. Billy Dixon is uh, an LGBTQ gay wrestler, um, was rated, I think, the number one gay wrestler in the world a few years ago. So that's cool. And we chatted about uh, Pride and wrestling and it's queer. Wrestling is super gay, just so just everybody knows. Uh, So that was a really fun conversation. Check that out over on. Uh, wrestling rehab up um, I'm talking movies um, and succession and the idol the show we're watching so you don't have to black mirror came back so yeah all sorts of stuff you can catch it on Twitter at high from grace we'll be back next week with another really exciting interview I'm really excited about who we're chatting with next week we'll keep it a surprise until it hits
2: your feeds until then the pride has spoken